So welcome, my name is Shannon Douglas. Uh, as you may be aware, I have been um, talking about the gender issue. I'm the father of a, um, what we call ROGD, natal female. That's how I have to introduce myself as a dad of, a, of an ROGD natal female, biologically female born, I was there, and who now identifies uh, as uh, masculine, as a male, um, has been going through a gender exploration for a number of years. And I just got a press release that I'm really uh, uh, excited to share with you, excited, horrified. Uh, it's a milestone, I think, in, in language and conceptualization and in documentary evidence in court cases. Uh, this is a legal uh, court case in the state of California. Now, we're in Canada. I'm in Ottawa. What does this have to do with here? Well, not long ago, Abigail Schreier uncovered a, a professional development workshop where a teacher from California was advocating these kinds of behaviors, uh, interfering as a school uh and inserting themselves as teachers and as an educational institution between the parent and the child from an educational, moral, social development perspective. Now, as far as I'm concerned, schools are there to teach. ABCs and one, two, threes. Okay, help reinforce the golden rule for kids. Give them uh, some language literacy and some math proficiency and teach them how to take care of themselves in terms of their health, in health class, in gym class. Maybe learn a musical uh, talent of some sort. Uh, explore shop class, by all means. But don't fucking educate my kid on on the ideology of gender. It has no place whatsoever in school. And so I'm going to share this story with you. I'm, I'm going to put it up on the screen as I highlight a couple of things, but I'm going to read you a few of the passages as we go. This is parents file federal lawsuit against Clay County Schools and Patterson Elementary School officials for secretly affirming their 12-year-old daughter's gender confusion to the point of causing physical harm. Now, in my own case... Uh, I am a, a divorced dad. I'm a, I'm a dad unit to four, okay? Um, uh, our oldest, my son, is uh, in his, he's getting to mid-20s. And uh, I have the youngest, my natal female ROGD kid, uh, turning 19. And then my stepkids are uh, turning 20 and are uh, kind of in the middle. So I... Since our youngest, my daughter, was in kindergarten, I've been a dad unit to four. I'm very proud of that. And I think we derive an incredible amount of wisdom by being parents and going through the development of life with our kids. It is our biological imperative to, uh, to help our kids be as successful in the world as we possibly can. And 
unfortunately, I uh, have a, a very poor relationship with uh, my, my children's mother. Uh, that person is a high-conflict individual and um, felt it was appropriate to put my kids in the middle of our divorce and custody battle and um, a, a giant mess that I, uh, I can only hope she regrets creating. But nevertheless, uh, I have a vindictive and, and uh, bitter uh, former spouse who, who really has no respect for me as a parent, as a person, and never has. So uh, it was hard for me to distinguish what was happening with my kid. But one day, four years ago, perhaps it was five, as I get older, I'm losing track of time. But she's turning 19, so she would have been 14. And uh, she came to me after Easter weekend and said, I can't live here anymore. This is not a safe space. I, I'm not safe here. And uh, I can't be myself. And I can't live up to your expectations that you've always put on me. And then she gave me a litany of language that my ex-wife used in spurious legal social media and uh and uh, social abuses uh, that are fabricated uh, in the same way that donald trump liked to like to call people names and fabricate uh, uh narratives about them and so my child was repeating this to me and i didn't parse because i was so hyper vigilant about the kind of threats that my former spouse uh, was was capable of. I didn't recognize that there is a correlation with my daughter's education in school. And I remember her bringing home I Am Jazz in the couple of months before she rejected me as a parent at 14. Uh, and it... When I read stuff like this now, it brings back, uh, I mean, I can't even put these things into words. Here it is. Dear Mary, Jacksonville, Florida, on Monday, January 24th, 2022, the Child and Parental Rights Campaign filed a lawsuit in the Federal District Court for the Middle District of Florida on behalf of the Perez family against the superintendent of Clay County Schools, the principal and assistant principal of Counselor of Patterson Elementary School, for disregarding their parental rights by concealing from the parents the fact that school officials were having secret meetings with their daughter, affirming the girl as a boy when their 12-year-old daughter began expressing gender confusion at school. I'm going to talk about the looping effect. Okay, so there's something called the looping effect of humankind. And it's an idea um, that we... Uh, the, that we get from a Canadian philosopher named Ian Hacking. Uh, and he observed and wrote a book. Ian Hacking observed and wrote a book called Rewriting the Soul, The Multiple Personalities and the Science of Memory. And uh, it's a challenging read. I, I'm working my second way through it. Uh, and it's about multiple personalities and the history of multiple personalities, the fad of, or the craze, if you will, 
of repressed memories that, that became a, a measured psychological phenomena, or at least at the time they thought so, and the satanic panic of the 1990s. If you're not aware, um, conceptually, uh, we started to understand and talk a lot more about uh, trauma and family trauma and child abuse um, through the years of Oprah and Phil Donahue and uh, you know talk daytime talk shows um, and uh, and and evolving language in uh, psychotherapy and what happened or something that happened in there was this idea of multiple personalities. And this was kind of one of those things in the diagnostic statistical manual that had some, you know, flash of interest and curiosity. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm two credits short of a psych degree. And when I was taking psychology 100 and 200, I noticed, and everybody else did too, that we all walked around diagnosing each other or ourselves or our family. And this, this habit of, of taking a, uh, uh, a psychological construct or a di diagnosis like an eating disorder or anxiety disorder or uh, any of these things that, that we learned in psychology, suddenly we had language for this and we were trying to put it on everything. And what happened uh, with multiple personalities was that psychologists and psychotherapists were doing this with this very sexy new idea of multiple personality. And it evolved and it had there was a feedback loop because this is what's called the looping effect. The expectations of the therapist kind of get projected and put onto the patient. Um, and then the patient acts either in consistently with that um, projection on them, that model, or they act contrary to it or give feedback to it. And it iterates the, um, the, the diagnostic uh, framework and the conceptualization of the disorder. And over time, uh, multiple personalities became, um, it, it flashed. It had a socially contagious uh, kind of uh, explosion in its uh, reporting and its prevalence. And along the way, um, some of these, this feedback loop generated a, uh, an idea of repressed memories. And that came from, as I recall from the book, the uh, perhaps uh, a person who is exhibiting maladaptive coping mechanisms and had um, some kind of diagnosis around multiple personalities, but didn't have a, a history of trauma that they could recall. And so everything in my family was great. I, my mother was terrific. My dad was terrific and uh, had a wonderful childhood. I went to a terrific school, da, 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 da. But yet I have all these, I, I have multiple personalities perhaps, and and um, and yeah, we can't find a cause to it. So because psychologists and, and psychotherapists were looking for a cause, somebody came up with the idea of repressed memories. And so that fed into the structural conceptualization of multiple personalities and then these repressed memories, which were created from the unconscious minds of the patients who supposedly had multiple personalities, started giving back uh, archetypal themes of, of uh, ritualistic abuse and exploitation. And the people went to jail. There were towns that were torn apart because there was accusations of uh, secret ritual 
um, sacrifices and sexual exploitation of children. And um, it, it became, it turned into a witch hunt or social contagion of the 90s. And it reverberated through some of our institutions. It reverberated through, um, of, of course, the, the therapeutic uh, profession, but also had implications and had, had uh, brought in uh, or captured some legal enforcement as well as um, judiciary and the media. Uh, media glommed onto this as sensational, as oft-reported. There's still people who believe that there is ritual satanic abuse. And that may uh, have a connection, now that I think about it, to the Pizzagate conspiracy and the QAnon conspiracy, where there's, there's this notion that, you know, I'm, if you're familiar with QAnon, I'm sure you're aware. Um, it has similar themes and patterns to ritual uh, abuse. In, in the QAnon conspiracies as to this repressed uh, memory syndrome. And it also has familiar patterns in history with accusations of uh, devil worship, sodomy, child sacrifice, um, uh, blood rituals, and things like that that were uh, made about the, uh, the Knights Templar, for example, and the Freemasons, and at various times about different orders of the church or, or different um, groups in Europe that that served to justify a dehumanization and and uh, an aggression towards a, a, another uh, group. Uh, so uh, we have this case that's documented quite well in Florida, where teachers have intervened between parents, and we have this looping effect. Now, what happens in Canada? Okay, in 2016, we federally passed a law uh, called the we call it the Transgender Rights Bill or the Pronouns Bill. Um, Jordan Peterson calls it the compelled speech bill, where uh, we have to identify uh, an individual by their preferred pronouns. That's their human right, that they must be addressed by a certain title. Okay, so, and that applies, um, the anti-discrimination laws, discrimination laws that connect to that apply across an, um, public service, so, and publicly regulated companies. Um, et cetera, et cetera, must address you by your preferred pronouns, or that can be uh, grounds for a, a human rights claim. Okay, so what do teachers do? Teachers are union uh, in Ontario. They're well paid here. We value our teachers tremendously, or at least I did up until very recently. Uh, and uh, they... Uh, now have to make sure that they address kids by their appropriate and preferred pronouns. Because if they don't, they can be disciplined and fired for human rights violations. And they get in trouble with the unions, they get investigated, there's grievances, etc., etc., filed, suspensions. I'm a close uh, person that I know to this um, lost their job um, uh, downstream from an investigation like this where they were teaching biological sex in high school biology class, that there are boys and girls, penises and vaginas. And someone objected to her language or, uh, as does also happen, a, f a staff member reported it because they overheard something that a student said um, and uh, and this person was put under investigation and, and uh, it, along with the complications and stress and frustration created by that suspension and that grievance process, uh, this person no longer teaches. Uh, when teachers begin 
to uh, ask the kids their pronoun in kindergarten and grade one, because everybody has to have a pronoun, that begs the question, okay? So in psychology, and I'm, I'm like I said, I'm two credits short, short of a, a psych degree, but I have studied psychology um, as, a, as, a, as a trained reader and researcher. You know, I know what's quality information and I, and I follow the significant names and leaders in, um, in thinking in the field. I've read Nietzsche and Jung and uh, I read Freud and put that aside, and I've read the, the works of Joseph Campbell, the comparative mythologist, um, who was very much interested in mythology as a way of explaining human um, experience and behavior and, and our journeys through lives, um, and, and many, many other books um, that, that I've studied in the quest to understand more of who I am and the nature of my soul and, and my existence. That's been my contemplation and meditation for 30 years. Psychological priming is in effect where in, you know, we read about these experiments where um, uh, there's two different paths, okay? You're coming into like a waiting room uh, and there are actors in the waiting room and uh, let's, say it's, let's say it's couples therapy. Well, uh, in one scenario, the couple is having a disagreement. They're hostile, uh, like, you know, their body language is hostile to each other. There's some kind of snit going on and some negative energy. And the person has to sit there for 10 minutes kind of absorbing this. And then they go in and do a set of tests. Okay, and then in, in the other scenario, uh, one's the control, one's the experiment, I guess. There's, there's a normal couple sitting there and they're hand in hand and they're just waiting and so the the um, you know it's really the test of expectations that um, and and frame of mind that's installed in an individual does this influence uh, decisions and behavior and uh, risk behavior is looked at this way and choices and decision making is looked at this way there's a psychological priming effect that plants a seed for people to uh, make decisions and form uh, uh, maps and models of the world. So when teachers, in this looping effect, begin asking kids about their pronouns in kindergarten and grade one, it begs the question. Then, as we know, in Canada, there is currently a human rights tribunal case uh, waiting to be heard. In, uh, in Ontario about this, where a, a child, six years old, came home from school one day and they said, Mommy, uh, today at school they told us there's no such thing as boys and girls. Am I still a girl? And what was unpacked and discovered and discussed uh, with much opposition from the school administration to the parent was that gender is a spectrum. And in fact, gender identity uh, exists on a spectrum. It's an, it is independent of biological sex, and uh, people have to figure this out. So kids at six, five, six, seven years old are given this thought problem. They're primed with co with a conceptual framework that our gender identity is separate from our biological sex. That it's possible we could be born in the wrong body. So that gives us a, a psychological conundrum. I'm not my body. I'm something else. And I, I am here, connected to this body, by mistake. I don't know if it was a mistake in shipping. The label got mixed up. You know, um, something ended up on the wrong cargo uh, hold, uh, whatever. Mailman delivered package wrong. Wrong body. I don't, you can't send it back. It's not like Amazon. So kids, especially kids who ruminate, highly intelligent kids, 
kids with anxiety, um, uh, kids with autism or, autism or seem to be overly uh, represented in the population of children who are medically transitioning. Uh, in, uh, in, in Canada, in the US, in the UK, Europe has pulled back on this uh, quite a bit. They're pumping the brakes because they're recognizing what a, what a horror this is. And parents and people who care in the community, child safeguarding advocates, feminists, uh, lawyers, um, uh, parent groups, uh, all, and, and therapists and people in the, in the therapeutic space, medicine and, and psychotherapy who object to this are all, have all coalesced and, and they're finding some traction in, uh, in Europe, in, uh, in many of the countries there. And a lot of this has walked back, but it hasn't happened here yet. It requires people to get involved and it requires people to speak out. And if necessary, when I found out about this and I understood the implications of this and, and for my daughter, um, I, I said, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll stand on a street corner with a sign. That's what I ended up doing with Billboard Chris in October. And that kind of launched me to another level of thinking about this and, and talking to people about it. So this looping effect of humankind. You, pr you psychologically prime the kids. You give them an intractable thought problem that doesn't, it's, it's, a, it's a paradox. Um, it, it takes you around and around in circles and the, a certain number of kids will, will grab onto this and their mind will take them, okay? And then we have a law passed, uh, uh, and this has been practiced for years, but now there's a law passed for this, of affirmation-only therapy. So that when uh, kids identify as gender-confused, any professionals who work with them, the teachers, the psychotherapists, the doctors, the endocrinologists, they uh, have all been under, uh, up until this criminal law was passed, um, C4, before Christmas um, of 2021, uh, they, um, they've been affirming. So you get this, this psychological priming, this confusion that happens in kids that's reinforced by the teachers in a feedback loop. You get the child who expresses some sort of confusion and they go to a teacher or they go online uh, because kids are getting online younger and younger now, and they go on YouTube and go, uh, you know, what does it mean to be transgender? How do I know if I'm transgender? Uh, and they express, or they express that ideation to the, the people who are supposed to take care of them in their lives, the people who they're supposed to be able to trust with their psychological and, and their physical well-being, the people who are not supposed to take away the rights of parents to parent their child, but who do, under the belief, this, is, this compounds in the, in the looping effect, it's a layer of complexity, they believe that parents will reject children, this is the, the narrative that they've come to understand from the activists who promote this, promote this that uh, their children is, is actually not safe in the home uh, of, of a parent like me, I, I was a 50% custody dad, and uh, and with um, or or with both parents, and the child will be trained or is being trained by over um, eager teachers who get excited about this new phenomenon, this diagnosis, and they want to help because they're helping, and they're performing psychological and psychic manipulations on children while thinking they're doing what's right for them. But really, they're just reinforcing a false belief system in children that's leading to the medicalization pathway. 
So we exist right now in a world where we have a school to, to sterilization pathway that is psychically looped into our institutions, that's, that, is, that is warping our children and leading to extraordinarily vile medical outcomes. Sterilized children, children who will never be able to uh, understand and appreciate the joys, the true joys of intimacy with another human being. They'll be anorgasmic. They, and never have sexual pleasure in their life. They'll never be ha- able to have a child. Their reproductive organs and, and, and for girls, their breasts, who many of them have double mastectomies, will never know. And as a man, I can't possibly know, but, but to be able to nurture a child at the breast is a gift from the goddess. It is, it is the procreative energy uh, of the female archetype that these young people will never be able to experience. They're being, it's being cut off from them. January 5th, 2022, Mr. and Mrs. Perez were called by the school counselor from Patterson Elementary School when their daughter is enrolled in the sixth grade. The counselor said they needed to come to school immediately to discuss their daughter. When they arrived, they were kept for 20 minutes in a waiting room. Eventually, they met the principal, assistant principal, a Clay County police officer and a counselor. This is January the 5th, 2022, just a couple weeks ago. They were then informed that their 12-year-old daughter had tried to commit suicide twice in two days. Really begs the question for me here is, why didn't they fucking call the parents the first time? Shocked, the parents asked why this had happened. The school counselor responded that it was because of the child's gender identity issue and that they knew her parents would not be in agreement because of their Catholic Christian beliefs. So the teachers made a determination that the parents would not support the child and because of their Catholic beliefs. And so they kept this secret from the parent. And they intervened as an institution to, uh, to shape the psychological development of this child. Prior to the incident, their daughter had not exhibited any signs of gender confusion or questioning of her biological identity as a girl. For me, this started when we moved my child's schools. Uh, and it began at the new school. And within, uh, within basically a year of her being at the new school, she, she had declared that I was unsafe to live with. That was a Catholic school, by the way. The counselor also revealed for the first time that she had been secretly meeting on a weekly basis for three to four months with their daughter about her gender identity issues. All of these meetings occurred without the parent's knowledge. When the parents pointed out that they had not been told by any school official about the surreptitious meeting with the school counselor, they were told by an administrator that confidentiality issues prevented them from notifying the parents. The administration did not provide any legal authority for this remarkable assertion whatsoever. It's just a fake claim. The Perez's daughter was taken to a local hospital by the police The parents were not given the opportunity to take their daughter to the hospital. They were not even given the opportunity to ride with her to provide comfort on her trip to the hospital after her suicide attempt. Their daughter was kept in an emergency room until early the next morning, then transported again alone to another emergency room admitted into the behavioral health unit at Wolfson's Children's Hospital. Their daughter was kept until January uh, January 12th, when she was released to her parents' care 
seven days later. I cannot imagine being those parents and having this sudden discovery. Your child has tried to commit suicide twice and you discover that a counselor at the school has been affirming a gender um, identity disorder, gender dysphoria, and they have made an explicit decision and calculus to cut the parents out of this for the so-called protection of the child. School officials showed utter disregard for the rights and beliefs of the parents. The school's clandestine and unauthorized actions deprived these parents of their right to be informed of what was going on with their daughter concerning a serious mental health issue and of their ability to provide the child the mental health assistance she needed. In short, the school deprived these parents of the right and ability to care for and protect their own child. The school is the monster here. The school is the danger to the child and keeping secrets from the parents is, is creating a situation where children can be abused. It is, it is, we did this in Canada. Okay. I, I said this in my blog recently. We did this in Canada with the residential schools. Conceptually, the early government of Canada perceived a problem with the indigenous people and wanted to break the intergenerational uh, culture of the indigenous people of Canada. And so, and they did this in the States too. They took the parent, they, they separated the parents and the children. The RCMP in Canada came to the indigenous communities and they, they took the children away from the parents and they put the children in residential schools and the state assumed the authority to educate the children to replace parents as the authority and the, the educational apparatus, moral, psychological, um, and, and academic uh, development. And it was a fucking disaster. Yet there's a school board here in Canada, the Waterloo Regional District School Board, on Monday night that, that had the most revolting display of this exact kind of ideology around transgender children they i would never i would if i were a parent in the waterloo district school board regional district school board right now in the public system i would be i would be ripping the doors off the school to get my kid home to never go to those schools again that this kind of toxic ideology is it creates that looping effect that I was telling you about, okay? So, Child and Parental Rights Campaign, CPRC, attorney states that once again we have Florida school officials usurping the rights of parents because school officials believe they are, they are better equipped to raise children than the children's national, uh, natural parents. This is the state intervening as the parent role and cutting parents off from, their, from the moral and social and, and psychological development of their children and that the state is assuming that the the ownership and uh, and, and the and the um, they're colonizing the minds of these children is what i'll say uh, to use the uh to use the woke language back in a, in a in a reflection like this so let me um uh, talk a little bit more about the looping effect because 
this is a 12-year-old child. But what's happening to kids at, at 11, 10, 11, 12 years old now? They, they get cell phones and they get plugged into the Internet. And they're going on to the Internet and they're going into places like, like Reddit and TikTok and uh, Tumblr and, uh, and these dark recesses of the web. And they're asking questions. How do I know if I'm transgender? Well, the most frequent response to that, if you're following this issue, you may know. It's, well, if you're asking, you probably are. And the whole affirmation apparatus of the, of the cult of transgender culture, okay? Uh, there's lots of discussion about cults, and I'll talk about it in another video for sure. But cult is the root of culture. <laughs> Our culture has a cult, and it's, it, it, it's a pun, right? Marshall McLuhan. Cult is the root of culture. So kids get on these online cults, they enter these cultures of trans people, and the ideological uh, stance is one of affirmation. Yay, yay, yay. It's love bombing. And it loops. Uh, we're hearing countless stories of kids who are self-diagnosing online. So if they haven't got it in schools with the pronouns that the teachers have to get right or it's a human rights compl uh, complaint, so they're, they're priming the kids... And then you get the looping effect of an over-eager teacher who's uh, trying to answer questions for some poor child who is confused by the very uh, uh, language and doesn't understand it. And then all they can do is affirm the child that they're transgender or non-binary. And then they go to a medical professional who by law has to affirm. And you have a straight pipeline from kindergarten to cutting your tits off and hysterectomies, puberty blockers which are toxic cancer drugs. The looping effect online does this as, as well. And it's perhaps the most toxic and polluted uh, place for our teen girls to, to enter into. It is... I, my kids, and I'm looking back on it now, my, my beautiful girl is turning 19 in 10 days or so, and she went down the rabbit hole. And when I talked to my son, he said, Dad, you know, only a couple of years and the internet changed. The impact of the internet on my friends, my friends who were a couple of years younger, there's something off with them. There's something wrong. They think differently. They behave differently. There's more of them at younger ages who believe these extreme beliefs and they're being radicalized online into the gender ideology because it's all affirming and the kids go with their self-diagnosis they book they go to the gp the gp has to affirm sends the kids to the specialist the kids get there nine months later and they're still being affirmed all around so they still think that you know i you know i'm a biological girl but i'm really a boy and then the kids don't have the the uh, mental capacity to conceive of future consequences because our prefrontal cortex, the last layer of our brain, doesn't start to develop really until until we're in our late teens and early twenties, and doesn't finish developing until we're twenty five or so. And that's the part of our brain that actually understands consequences of our decisions. It's why boys' insurance rates for driving cars between sixteen and twenty four is so outrageously expensive because. We do dumb stuff. Then there's the censorship. The people who have moralized and self-appointed as the protectors of these poor children 
now are so deviant. They're so puffed up with their own sense of moral superiority and knowing best for the children in their care, usurping parental rights, not just accidentally, deliberately undermining parents' roles with children. It's affecting tens and hundreds of thousands of girls, if not millions. The most recent stat I got on this was there were approximately 40,000 girls on uh, GoFundMe's uh, Kickstarters or whatever to raise money for top surgery to have their breasts removed. 40,000 girls. And it's a human right, they claim. This is a social contagion. And it is the tentacles of this ideology. Okay, so I study a lot of religion. And I put up the first chapter and a preface of my book this last week. Um, I, I'm publishing it as an audio book. It's going up free on my Substack. It's about my 30-year study of of um, religious concepts and philosophy and my, my practice of meditation and contemplation, the things that I've explored and questions that I've undertaken. And the book was inspired by a question that my little girl asked me when she was 12 or 13 about the nature of the Greek gods. And we personify in those pantheons, okay? Those pantheons are, consist of different spirit forces gods, archetypes, that represent certain human attributes. So, for example, uh, the god Zeus or Jupiter. Uh, Zeus is a pig. He's a glutton. He is a philanderer and, uh, and womanizer. Uh, in the myths, he is a rapist. And he's a god, so it has different conceptual frameworks he um, you know can turn people into different shapes and things like that he is all about expansion and growth he's greedy he wants more and sometimes that force of more can be a really positive aspect and sometimes that force that drives us towards more and greedy can be very ego driven that's that that's Zeus is a personification of those characteristics that we all have. If you follow Jordan Peterson, uh, you may know about the big five personality types. And Zeus in mythology corresponds to um, openness. So Zeus, Jupiter, that's another one in there. Odin uh, from the Norse pantheon. Um, and many other mythologies carry this, this archetype as well. Uh, and it corresponds to what we understand now with uh, the linguistic um, analysis and, um, and lexical uh, statistical methodologies for analysis that created the Big Five, um, that those are, that forms a whole category of language that we use to describe the world, this archetype of growth, Zeus. So I say that because I believe that we have, we have a witch or a demon uh, some sort of unbelievably destructive predatory force. It's a social contagion that has possessed people. 
and it's possessed people who are who are struggling with this concept of trans identification, but it's possessing people who are uh, on school boards, who are um, teachers, who are therapists. It is it is destroying people. And it compounds upon itself and it reinforces itself and it spreads like a virus, like a parasite. And it's sucking up all these vulnerable people. I don't know any other language to describe a phenomenon like that that's, that's operating at scale so, and has so many reinforcing points, uh, uh, points of psychic reinforcement and affirmation that is so vile and destructive to human life. Here, I'll talk a little bit about um, the goddess who I mentioned earlier. Um, in many, many traditions of the world, existence and, and the narrative structure that we are embedded in consists of the Earth Mother. She's the provider of our food and the animals that we harvest to feed our families and, and the provider of the resources to build our homes and, and, uh, and the, very, the very material of our bodies, the bones and tissues and flesh and, and organs. We get the word matter and, and material from maternal or mother. It's the raw creative substance of the universe and of existence from our psychic framework. And that's reflected in religions all over the world. This mother goddess, one of her great powers is one of the, is one of the primal drives for uh, life itself. All life on earth has this drive in common and that is the reproductive drive. That's part of the goddess complex. And when we think in terms of pantheons, we might associate Venus or Aphrodite more with that, uh, that amorous uh, early mother phase of, of the goddess, uh, the planet Venus, uh, the goddess Aphrodite. Um, and what we are doing is we are, we are attacking the goddess energy within us as a species. These children who are drawn up into this biological male, biological female, doesn't matter. The outcome here is sterilization. When I look at a larger meta metaphor of what this is, it's a rejection uh, as a psychic force and a phenomena that's influencing us, a rejection of our reproductive drive. Uh, from a very metaphysical perspective, especially with what kids are being taught in another area and what they're learning about the world that we've exploited our environment, this nihilistic sense that, that uh, we can't do anything to stop it, the Greta Thunbergs of the world, and It's hard enough as adults for us to grapple with this because we know there's something off. But that, that whole belief system that uh, humans, cis, white, hat males, 
the patriarchy, um, the the institutions of of society have corrupted and destroyed the world, and children are coming up on this, and they're looking at at grown-ups with hatred, and revulsion, and blame. This is part of the grievance cult. And it's, it, it justifies attacking and rejecting and abusing people who are determined to be responsible for this. At the same time as, as archetypally rejecting the reproductive drive that all human beings have. In a way, I think it's the goddess herself speaking from an archetypal point of view, who is limiting in the West our ability to reproduce. I'm following the structure of a symbol when I say that. Check out my book, Chasing Quicksilver. Uh, The first chapters are up. The book is dedicated to my little girl. Okay, that's been a lot. I'm happy to engage with people. If you have questions... If you want to share, please share. Talk about this. Projects. I'm traveling across the country in April. I leave where I am March 30th, going to Vancouver, touring British Columbia for two weeks. And then I'm going to drive back across the country. Uh, It's about 6,000 kilometers. I'm guessing that's about uh, 3,700 miles, 4,000 miles. I don't know. It's a long trip. Yeah, I'm going to write along the way. I'm interested in talking to people on the way, no matter where you are in Canada. If uh, you're somewhere on the east-west axis and uh, you want to put together a group of people, uh, either a living room or a speaking engagement, I am very, very pleased to um, get out and share some of this information with you. There are some incredible things going on that I can't talk about, some very big projects. Uh, Someone uh, presenting at the uh, WRDSB said this was organized hate. And uh, they can say whatever they want. I don't give a crap. This is organized protection of our children and defense against this looping effect, this uh, force that is, has spread through all institutions in our, in our world and is harming our kids. And it is my mission to stop it, to expose it, to talk about it, to wake people up to it.